Steve with a fat lip. Welcome back to Brum Clock Podcast. It's uh, it's me, Russell, and our guest today, Jamie, filling in for Joe. Hey. Say a yeah. few words. Talk in the mic, would you, pal? Yeah, yeah. This is my first or second time doing this. <laughs> yeah. Maybe. Yeah, we're going to yeah. do all it all five right. of you watching. Be nice. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, uh, yeah, we were just talking about this job I'm doing uh, out in Aurora, and it's actually pretty fucking shitty because what they do is they make the flavoring for dog food. It's it's uh, a big company, and that specifically all they do is they make the liquid flavoring for dog food. Which, as you can imagine, you know, there's like, uh, you know, veal and beef and pork and all these flavors. But what people don't understand is, is that that is the byproduct of other manufacturing. And it comes in these trucks and they dump it and they liquefy it. And I'm half convinced that uh, that there's roadkill involved here, that they're liquefying the roadkill. I, I don't have any evidence to back this up, but it would make sense. It'd be a good mutual government, uh, private contract. No, I've definitely had trucks that have delivered in that facility before. <laughs> yeah. I can test the fact that most of that stuff is coming out of Mexico. Really? They're non-stringent. <laughs> so what are they bringing out of Mexico? Like, that's a long way to truck for some dog food flavoring. Well, you know, byproducts of a Swedish fish or whatever. It's <laughs> the candy? But yeah. <laughs> it's pretty fucking nasty. You wouldn't believe what goes into making Swedish fish. Oh, yeah. No, we had a... You move that mic around when uh, you talk. We had a truck pick up in Springfield one time, up forty-three thousand pounds of Gatorade gets down in San Antonio. They pop open the trailer and it just reeks of fish. Really? And I'm like, "What did you guys load before this?" They're like, "Well, it was fish from Mexico, and we delivered to this place in Aurora." I'm like, <laughs> "I wonder where." Shocking. <laughs> like we don't know why it smells like fish. And it was. Oh, I got a pretty good idea. Tracked it down. It was herring. Dried herring. I googled it. Herring oh. is one of the smelliest fish. Herring's fucking nasty, dude. You don't want herring. No. So, so I mean, what's la- herring's not? A, well, is herring a big fish? I'm not sure. I don't think it is. I think it's a smaller, like a bait fish, almost. Yeah. And so, uh, yeah, it's weird. Like, how much byproduct can you really have? Like, what the bones, the heads, yeah, juices, not, fish juice, not good parts. <laughs> yeah. Every, everything Whatever. you want to liquefy. Because I think most people like like they uh, they like like. Pickle those things, basically, like the cure, like sardines, kind of, you yeah, know, yeah, like that's kind of like pickled herring. I think is a big thing, like in Norway and stuff, yeah, it, like 100% in Europe. Is. <laughs> yeah. that my so, <laughs> yeah, so, so it's uh, it's kind of one of those things. Like, well, what are they? It's got to be really bad because people eat that shit whole. So the stuff that they're not using has got to be fucking off the charts terrible. The fact that they somehow scrounged up forty three thousand pounds of <laughs> herring, real, herring byproduct. How long are you holding on to all that? Yeah, <laughs> and it was a non temperature van too. Like they just shipped this stuff really? from Mexico up to the Missouri dry van from Mexico, and it was during the summer. It was bacon. Dude, oh man, I can. I've, I'm sure I've smelled. I'm, I'm going to do a little more research into this because uh, it, it's just it's it just constantly just smells like rotting corpses out there. Which you know that's you know not too far from the natural center of Aurora, Missouri, but it's just you it's sharp, it stings the nostrils, uh, and you really just get a, a real singer. You no longer have to drink coffee in the morning when you're going to hell work. no, <laughs> no. <laughs> you know when you're ten miles out, you're like oh. So it was one of those towns too, like in uh, Walking Tall, you know the Rock movie, yep. where they had the lumber mill that like the entire town is employed. It's sort of the same deal, like the entire town is basically kept alive by this this animal liquefying plant. 
And so, uh, you know, everybody's somehow involved one way or another. And there's this really interesting, I went, I went to lunch. There's not a whole lot of restaurants out there, as you can imagine, in like small towns. Uh, but this one is run entirely by Asians, which at first I thought was weird. Second, because, uh, you know, it's a small town, uh, real, you know, you know, you know, small towns. Um, but I get in there and they serve the wildest array of food I've ever seen in my life. It's like they have a whole Chinese menu, which is like, oh, that makes sense. And then the other was like country fried steak and all these fixings, mashed potatoes, all this country food. I was like, man, you guys are really covering your bases. Yeah. And I was like, and it, but that's why it took 30 minutes to get my food, I guess, is I got to thaw out all the different fucking menu items. But uh, it was to appease their demographic. They know their target audience. Yeah, <laughs> yeah every, if every once in a while somebody some, comes in for some Chinese cashew chicken. <laughs> but it was uh, it was definitely interesting. I, uh, I I learned a lot, and just in the few days I've only been there a week or whatever. But I've I've really learned a lot. Um, but mainly just that that liquefying of animals has really left me kind of unsettled, and There's just. A- Constant trucks showing up too. Oh, yeah. Just tanker trucks full of what I presume is pre-liquefied, uh, you know, animals. There's a Tar Heel, North Carolina. There's mm-hmm. population, I think, 900. Yeah. Their big thing is Smithfield Meats is based out of there, and they they do pork products. Right. Every year they do this big celebration. It's a parade out in Tar Hill, where they get these pork carcasses out and slap them on fucking, you know, lifted trucks, and they go down Main Street with, you know, pork carcasses. It's North Carol- or South Carolina in the summer, so it's got to be like 102 degrees, terrible humidity. <laughs> and they just take these pork carcasses out of the fridge, slap them on a bunch of steaks, put them on lifted trucks, take them down Main Street, <laughs> take them back to the freezer afterwards. Gross. That's just their parade. Dude, I, I think that's a North Carolina thing because one of my friends, his, uh, his, his mom's new boyfriend is a taxidermist in North Carolina. And he was like, hey, Zach, you want some, uh, you want some deer? I got some, or it was a hog. It was a whole hog. He's like, I got a whole hog here. You can, uh, I got the meat for you and everything. He's like, oh, yeah, I'll take it. Drives it from North Carolina all the way to Harrison, Arkansas, all right, in a 55-gallon drum, no ice. <laughs> they meet on a bridge over the Norfolk River and exchange back, you know, tailgate to tailgate. They back up and, and, and exchange this fucking, basically, a, a, a cartel drum of just decaying meats. <laughs> it's like, here you go, buddy. Don't say I ever did nothing for you. <laughs> So I thought that was pretty well. But that was out of North Carolina, so yeah. maybe they get this weird thing about not refrigerating meats. Yeah, you know, fuck the FDA. They don't know shit. Oh, yeah. No, hell no. <laughs> not in the Carolinas. <laughs> you don't need to put this stuff on ice. Ice? <laughs> What's that? They the ice. <laughs> that expensive stuff from up north? No, it always a Rockefellers, all right. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, um, no, he's some kind of taxi. He brought a bunch of bones with him and stuff, too. It was, um, and, and, uh, and that was the first time meeting, too. That was what was kind of funny about that. Like, that was your first impression of your, your mom's new boyfriend. I thought that was pretty funny. He's like, everything's out the window. <laughs> we're we're yeah. transporting rancid meat across state lines. <laughs> yeah, international, which I'm sure is illegal oh, in a yeah. lot of ways. <laughs> had to meet in the dead of night. <laughs> yeah. This is That's, not a daytime oh, anyway, That makes transfer. sense now. <laughs> That's why they're, they're transporting that and making the exchange. Could have been a fucking sting for all any of those. <laughs> we finally caught him. The bear bandit. <laughs> 
the rancid meat bandit, dude. Yeah, that's uh, that's just fucking gross, though. I mean, I I don't even know what he did. I don't think he ate anything. Uh, maybe he kept some of it. I don't know. I'm sure you have to pick through the good and the bad. But that's some that's some uh donate to the homeless, maybe. Joe Rogan show or. They did all the scary stuff that... Oh, the Fear Factor? Fear fa- yeah, fear yeah, factor yeah. Stuff. Fear Factor. <laughs> Interstate meat. traffic to rancid meat from a gallon jug. Yeah. Yeah, that'll... Uh, yeah, not fear's sushi. not a factor for those folks. Yeah, not sushi crazy, that's for sure. <laughs> Definitely not. Definitely not. There's no, there's, no, uh, there's no meat market in Japan paying high dollar for this shit. <laughs> <laughs> like the tunas. Dude, some of those tunas are a couple million bucks. It's insane. But I get it, though. Tuna, I, I didn't really understand tuna for a long time. with those Because I was always saw that canned shook. Mm. It's that's fucking disgusting. I can't believe people even consider that tuna. Like after I started eating sushi or whatever, like a couple years ago, uh, that like the red meat from sushi, just the raw sushi, is fucking mm. incredible. It's it's unlike anything ever. It's just wild how how much different that is from that nasty canned shit Joe used to make when we lived together. It would stink up the whole fucking house. <laughs> <laughs> that's just nasty. Well, I watched this video on bluefin tuna and why it's so expensive. Is it's so hard to catch? Really. They're, so, they're pretty good size, though. They're so powerful. There's so much meat, or there's so many muscle fibers in their body that if they get real excited when they're getting caught, they actually cook their themselves. Really, they yeah. can create enough energy they to can cook themselves. Enough energy to cook themselves. Wow. So they actually get bluefin t- like raw bluefin tunas, something of a you know, an art form out there. I mean, how do you? I mean, uh, that just that's it's insane to me. How much does a bluefin tuna cost? The luxury viewer. Let's go check this website out. Um, let's look. Where's my thing? Here we go. Oh, that looks good. That looks like a real treat. Two hundred dollars a pound. Six hundred. Three million dollars in Tokyo. That is absolutely insane. I wonder if it goes on to to eat it or not. All right. I want to know like what you were saying. I want to know the process of catching, how to catch a good tuna fish. We'll find out here. Because, I mean, it's just, uh, it, and it's, what do they call it, like the red meat of the sea? Yeah. Uh, how to catch California. I didn't know they were in California. I guess I it's all either. Pacific, right? Yeah. Ooh, that's a good looking... Hog right there. Uh, looks like they're catching it normal. Um, all right, this is a fucking extremely serious <laughs> fishing. Yeah, this this is way past my level of knowledge of fishing. Uh, uh, so they had to go 112 miles west of San Diego. That's a long way in a boat, dude. Yeah, especially on something that size. Dude, yeah, and then 477 gallons of fuel at $5 a gallon. That's what, 25000 2500 Yeah. $2,500 one way out? Yeah. That's wild. A, a 36-foot yellow fin? Can I get that big? <laughs> I don't know. I think that's that. That's there's no way that that is. I mean that that looks pretty normal. Thirty six foot. That seems ridiculous. Oh shit! God damn it! I'm done. 
I'm, I'm an idiot. 47, 477 gallons of fuel and speed over 50 miles per hour on Lucky B, a 36-foot yellowfin. That's the boat. <laughs> but we were talking about bluefin, so you'll... Um, I'm a dummy. We did not fact check this before we rolled. No, in. hell no. No, we roll with the facts as they come in. <laughs> we report, you decide. <laughs> Breaking news. We <laughs> yeah. Yeah, this is this is way too in-depth. Any fisherman out there might enjoy a good read of that. You can check that out. Um, this is like a fucking Hemingway novel, and I'm out. <laughs> Dude, I have been reading a lot about Hemingway, though. Or not reading. I've been watching a Kim Burns documentary. Um, Cool-ass dude, man. Fucking wild individual. Um, at one point, he, you know, he had that boat, which is actually at the Wonders of Wildlife, you know, the Pilar, uh, 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 yeah. that boat that's, that's there as soon as you walk in. If you, uh, on that boat, he uh, went and he called his hooligan navy. The United States government uh, armed it with machine guns and fucking uh, wrote him a blank check for gas, get as much gas as you want. All this shit, so he could go hunt U-boats down in off of the Key West, like in World War II, and that was his contribution to the war effort. <laughs> he just got drunk with his friends, his hooligan navy, <laughs> just tell his buddies, and they go out and try and machine gun fucking uh, U-boats, German U-boats. And that, that sounds like a great fucking time. Yeah. And also, it's a hell of a restaurant. <laughs> that place of best pros top-notch. <laughs> or was. Last time I went there, I don't it know. It obviously didn't. They weren't like, oh, you're going to really get these. They're like, oh, we're going to give you machine guns, but you're shooting something that may or may not surface. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. There's no way they were catching up yeah. to a fucking submarine. <laughs> it was just it was just like, I don't know if they respected him or it was just like, oh, yeah, yeah you're better here than well, fucking going overseas and fucking shit up. Cause, uh, and then apparently after that, he started, like, he rode around with Patton and, like, the Third Army uh, in, in Europe, but he didn't like Patton, and so he got it with this other infantry unit. And would start, uh, he just kind of hung out with this colonel. And he would just go in and he'd, he'd, he'd hijacked a, mo- a Nazi kraut motorcycle, got blown off the road. And he said he got so close he could hear them all talking and stuff. Uh, he really lived a fucking life. I mean, it was, oh, and another wild story, too. Um, as in his older years, he, uh, he took his, his wife at the time. They went on a safari or whatever in Africa. And uh, for her birthday, their anniversary or something, he... He chartered a plane to go look at the falls and stuff and just kind of go around and look at stuff. Well, um, he ordered the, the plane pilot to take it down low so that they could get some good pictures. And he hit a line or something. He hit a tree or something, and they fucking crashed. And they were able to – he was able to get, like, his wife and the pilot out, but he was too big to get out. And so he started, like, banging his fucking head. Like, he's just burning. He's burning so he's banging his fucking head on the glass. Finally, he's able to get out. And the pilot dies, and him and his, he's dragging his wife uh, to safety. He finds this village in Africa, and they he say, all right, well, we've got a plane coming. Like, we're going to get you out here. We're going to get you to the main city and the hospital. So they get on this plane, and within, like, 15 minutes in the air, that fucking thing crashes and blows up and <laughs> ends up surviving two plane crashes in fucking 24 hours and living to tell about it. He fucked his head up pretty bad. But, man, uh, just wouldn't die. Dude, he was a fucking cockroach, man. He was he, he no was wild. Guns on the plane. Mm. No, no, no. As much as he probably wanted to, I don't think that was an option. <laughs> but he, he was uh, he was pretty interesting. I haven't really read any of his stuff. I read some of the like the Old Man of the Sea because it's like a tiny mm-hmm. little book. But uh, I'm not much. Of, I like to read like uh, histories and stuff. You know, I don't really get the art of writing very much. Yeah. 
I'm not that cultured yet. I mean, I, I, I guess I appreciate it, but I don't really um, get, like, there's, there's, I just don't see the artistic value as much as probably other people do. So I don't waste my time with it. Agreed. Yeah. I mean, I could listen to a story. I could probably listen to it and enjoy it. But, you know, sitting down and actually reading a, a, a book that's like a story, nah, not, not really for me. No. Reading in general is tough enough. It's not your audible top five. <laughs> no, no, no. Maybe it's free audible. Yeah, hell yeah. Yeah, you count me in. But um, no, I'll, I'll pass on sitting down and, you know, read a book. It's, it's kind of lame. But um, no, uh, so um, Chiefs won today. <laughs> yeah, that was a battle. Yeah. So, you know, I always kind of forget that for whatever reason, anytime we talk, I don't, you know, I don't watch a whole lot of sports. I kind of just watch the Chiefs and the Cardinals. Mm. That's really about it. And lackluster best for for either of them. But I found it kind of funny because um, this is like the, the second time because there's like the Super Bowl, too, where like you, well, you had bet against the Chiefs. Uh, uh, was it to cut your hair, cut, a mul- cut your mullet? Yeah. So if the Chiefs lost, yeah, you, or the Chiefs won, you had to cut your mullet off, yep, correct? The Chiefs won, my friend got to pick my next haircut. Yeah, and so luckily, I guess for you, um, um, the Chiefs lost the Super Bowl, and then and then I just, you know, I just assume everybody around here is a Chiefs fan. So, <laughs> you know, I, was, I remember making that joke then, and then as you were getting in here today, I was just joking around, oh, yeah, that was wild, and then you're like, actually, my whole family's from Cleveland. <laughs> yeah. I was like, oh, okay, <laughs> I did it again. Once again, they've just... <laughs> Dashed my hopes and dreams. I think they'll be a pretty good ball team this year. I mean, it was it was a close game. It was honestly, if it wasn't for their fuck ups, they would. If they you know hadn't fucked up any, they probably would have won. Yeah, Baker's been doing fewer commercials. I feel like that's what led to I, his yeah. on the field. I, I yeah, fewer because I've seen a lot of them recently. That one yard sale commercial, I really yep. got a I got a chuckle out of that one. I got I got to say <laughs> I based my and that's the thing about Patrick Mahomes. The worst fucking on-air personality ever. He's just he's just not an actor at all. You see these State Farm commercials, like, dude, you're not. You're just just play football, dude. Stick to that. But he's getting a paycheck. I mean, I I could say no to it, but I, at the same time, it's like he's all nasally and like he just he's not a good on-air. He's a terrible one of the worst actors I think I've ever seen. Looks in my like life. he got bamboozled into it. Like, on, yeah, probably. Like, hey, His we all practice, and then they drop him off. They're like, hey, just say these like four lines. Hey, hey pretend you work at Foot Locker for two minutes, yep. and then uh, and uh, just do your best to act, and then here's a two four million dollar check. You know, that's all you got to do. Keep just throwing balls haphazardly on field. <laughs> yeah, people people are catching the stuff and. You, you look like a genius. You do. <laughs> he looks like a fucking winner. Because we were talking about that earlier, too. Like, that, that long pass he had tonight. I mean, he just... He got lucky. He got, uh, he, he he got, got fucking lucky. lucky. Everyone's like, oh, my gosh, it was a pinpoint. I'm like... A pinpoint? He changed like, directions. <laughs> <a bit."> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Luckily, that dude can stop on a dime. Tyreek Hill could just stop on a dime and go the other direction. Yeah, Tyreek's actually fucking telepathic or something. They've got... Mm. Dude, I think they got fucking radios oh, yeah. <laughs> in there. Yeah, they're not, that is not a designed play that they have <laughs> yeah. practiced. Dude, their best plays, I think, are not designed. Dude, they, you see, they kept trying to run, like, trick plays or, or doing stuff, and then they just, like, would wander around like, oh, what? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, all right, I mean. Andy Andy reads. Dude, it's just raw. His Waffle House menu is like, well, <laughs> the all-star what? breakfast has not worked out the past three times. I think I'll go with the Grand Slam. Oh, that's Danny's. Damn it. <laughs> Fuck me. <laughs> I'll get all my breakfast joints mixed up. <laughs> I called for a Grand Slam. They gave me an all-star. <laughs> the 
fuck's going on here? <laughs> what was this breakfast, spicy chicken breakfast biscuit? No, that that. <laughs> oh, I, oh, I can't be having heartburn the rest of the day. <laughs> It'll ruin my gut. <laughs> but Andy Reid looks like he lost a decent amount of weight, though. I was. Yeah, shocked. yeah, yeah. No, I think he's feeling it. Like his mustache is getting bigger because he's he's losing a little weight. I noticed yeah, he's a little he sharper. Less walrus like. Yeah, dude, he is a walrus. Actually, I bet when he goes to a fucking steakhouse, Chinese, a Japanese steakhouse, he does the old walrus trick for his grandkids. Oh. <laughs> they get scared. It's <laughs> a yearly staple for yeah. the Reed family's outing. <laughs> yeah. Dude, it's like that family guy with the John Goodman on Thanksgiving. You remember that one? He's like, you're going to have what's left. But, Dad, there's never anything left. <laughs> He's like stabbing her hands and shit. Dude, John Goodman really took a dive. I'm going to see if I can pull this up. He the last thing I saw, man, uh, was this commercial, uh, and he's doing it for like a an app, like a a, uh, a game app on the mm-hmm. on your phone. And okay, commercial casino. This is probably it. And he's a thumb. He's a fucking thumb scrolling on somebody's phone. It's the most ridiculous goddamn thing I've ever seen in my life. My life is awesome. But it wasn't always that way. I've been to some dark places. Dark, dark places. Wasting my days pressing buttons. Or more like... This is one of the most esteemed actors of our time. One day, I thought to myself, yeah, another slow, boring place. What's it? Slotomania? Finally, excitement! Oh, Slotomania makes everyday fantastic. Why? You never know what fantastic. A new free slot game? A huge jackpot win? Or even a new friend for life? Dude, this is no. This isn't the Dan Connor I know. <laughs> this feels awesome. Download Slotomania now. The number one free slot. Dude, that's it's just I don't know if it's a fall from grace necessarily. It's just really, really sad. And that was not his finest work. I mean, that is that what he's down to now. I. It's hard to it's hard to say. I mean, John I wish he would have done the Val Kilmer thing where he recorded his whole life. Oh yeah, just, Dude, just buffet really, to buffet to buffet. Yeah, <laughs> just to see where really the, the actual turning point. For John was I see I don't know because he always comes back. I think what happened was is that the uh, the Cohen brothers like kind of started doing their own thing, and that kind of like honestly the Cohen brothers have been keeping him alive since Roseanne, you know between Old Brother Art Thou and uh, what's that other one um, Big Lebowski. Yep, you know those are two of his biggest roles ever. And he's had solid cameos. He was in. Um, Did you ever see that Cloverfield one? Yeah, that, that was, was pretty bad. wild. That Even was pretty wild. The Gambler wild. was actually pretty good. The Gambler I, I was that a Kenny Rogers movie. film? It was close. Basically, <laughs> Did he played Kenny. <laughs> he plays this um, angry, obviously large loan shark. Oh, I bet he's good at that. Yeah. 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 Dude, what was that other one? Uh, Flight. Do you remember his role in Flight, where he wore the drug rug and like he was his drug guy for the yep. for the? That was a great movie, dude. I loved that one. I could watch that right now. Actually, that was yeah. good. John Goodwin is not the um, Goodman is not the Clint Eastwood of our time. <sighs> he there was there was a moment there where he could have been, um, but I think that just imagine Clint Eastwood doing that. Fucking <laughs> could you? Could you? You, you would never. You could oh, pay him enough money, dude. He would shoot that. you on sight 
if you if you even brought something like that up to him, dude, just fucking stone eye you old man, yeah, get off like, my lawn energy. What do you mean? I'm not gonna involve be involved with what do you mean? guns, horses. Kids like you don't stand a chance right here. You want me to do what? You want me to do what? <laughs> Sounds like something my son would fuck. I'm a thumb. <laughs> my my faggot son. <laughs> no, I don't think so. Uh, you know who I am? I'm Clint Eastwood. Now, now he's in a movie again. Uh, yeah, it's uh, what is that movie? Uh, it's a the Native mule. American. Oh, dude, Cry oh, Baby, Cry Baby. Yeah, yeah or, or no, is it? It is Cry Baby. I think it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that one looks pretty good. Mule, did you watch the Mule? The Mule is great. <laughs> I love that one. That is a clean Dude, Eastwood. I think some of his best movies have been since he's been like nine right. years old. Grand Torino, yes, Grand Torino's absolutely. Dude, when he's like, need a light, <laughs> he pulls it out and they gun him down. Oh, and he's got. <laughs> I, admit, I got nothing else to live for. Let's send these gooks. To yes, <laughs> that's Zimmerhead. What is this cat? <laughs> <laughs> you ain't feed me my dog, are you? <laughs> I'm gonna leave everything I have to my semi-adopted <laughs> next door kid. <laughs> Give him four four hardware equipments and such. Uh, Where'd you get all these tools? Well, any idiot could tell I've acquired them over years. <laughs> That's one of my favorite lines of this. Well, any idiot could tell I've acquired these over a number of years. <laughs> I don't have that. Well, you can borrow. <laughs> Dude, it's just it's one of those things like everybody's had knows that old man and has had that conversation but it's never been caught in a film form like that old guy that wants his shit back and he's just trying to give you a hand by making you work yeah it's like here's a roofing hammer and this solidifies our bond <laughs> right you're not longer a chink anymore <laughs> girl grow up saipan <laughs> i learned more racial slurs in that movie uh, than I have ever learned in my life. Just, just all the different, the the. I mean, we don't need to run through them, but you know, it, it, he had a, every time he talked about it, it was a different name. Yeah, it's like they made a cinematic version of playing Call of Duty back in the day. <laughs> like, remember all the? I've heard the most racial stuff in that movie and Call of Duty because it's Call of Duty. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. It's uh, sorry, texting here. Like a fool. Um, I didn't realize because so I'm using my phone in case. So we're trying to get Ben on the program. Uh, Joe has some family emergencies he's dealing with. And so uh, I, I, I left it up and it's on the thing. But I didn't realize it shows that I'm screen recording. So anytime I open a Snapchat or anything, I'm, it's immediately alerts them that I'm screen recording the chat. And I did not really realize that. So. Sorry, Joe. <laughs> Nothing's getting seen, but it sure as fuck looks like it. <laughs> oh, man. But, um, no, yeah, Clint Eastwood, uh, his son was on Rogan not too long ago. I didn't find it that interesting. Like, I was really hoping for more talk about Clint, but mm-hmm. just didn't really happen. Brought up, like, once. I was like, all right, well, this fucking sucks. Because he does something for veterans, I think, or something. Has some kind of program for, uh, I, I don't know. Or no, no, he has a company that just makes American-made products or sells American-made products or something like that. Something a young Clint Eastwood would do in a, in a time like this. Oh, so yeah. probably he's actually all right. I'm just giving him a hard time because he's not his dad. But did I watch what I watched that night? It was uh, Josie Wales. That's uh, a fucking movie right there. 
All I mean, any of those old ones who really uh, spaghetti westerns are. Oh yeah, Sergio uh, Leone, I mm-hmm. guess his name. Yeah, that dude rules. And then uh, Encino Marcone, the guy that wrote wrote all the the scores for all those. I mean, that dude knows. He was the, like the original John Williams of movies. Yeah, one of my dad's um, uh, fishing tournament soundtracks is the good, the bad, and the ugly. Oh, the, just, uh, the trio or whatever? Yep, he just <laughs> plays that soundtrack on the way to the lake. Oh, that, that gets you in the zone for about anything, man. Nine times out of ten, he does very well. <laughs> yeah? <laughs> is that what he gives credit to? Oh, yeah. He's, <laughs> yeah. Like, he's like, anytime I don't listen to it, fish, the fish don't bite. The fish, are, the fish know what you're what you're listening to. Like they don't fear me. Actually, I think it's one of our sound bites. Um, I don't even need to bring it up. Oh, but it's for the bully beatdown. For the bully beatdown. Oh yeah, that little trumpet there. That's for our segment when there's some nerd that needs a good bullying online. <laughs> And we always throw that little jingle on there. <laughs> it's a bully beatdown, we call it. Last last guy we did turn out he was autistic, so that didn't really <laughs> work out too well. That one did not age well. <laughs> I mean, instantly we shut the show down. <laughs> Man. So yesterday was 9-11. We kind of mentioned talking about it. I watched the Spike Lee documentary today, which was really kind of a bummer in a way because it was my understanding. Do you know anything about the, you heard anything about the Spike Lee no, I have documentary? Not. Well, he just did, it, it was, it threw me off on a lot of levels because one, I thought it was a, I, I thought it was strictly a 9-11 conspiracy theory documentary done by Spike Lee. Mm-hmm. All right. And I was like, well, that would be interesting because I'm sure he's got some different takes. It, it could be fun, you know, whatever. So I, I find it on HBO, I start the first episode. The first episode is just strictly the pandemic. I'm like, all right, this is weird. And so I look at it, and I kind of go through the episodes, and I realize, okay, well, it's just like shit New York's been through through the last 20 years. And so I find the 9-11 episodes. And I'm still thinking that this is going to be a conspiracy theory mm-hmm. thing. And because that's what I've seen on the news, like I saw him doing an interview and he was asking, like, well, these are kind of the questions like we need to be asking. Like, I mean, if, if you know, let's if it's, if, you know, let's figure it out. And so I was like, oh, this, you know, this could be pretty damn good, you know. And uh, I kept watching, I kept watching, I kept watching. And I think maybe 10 seconds out of three hours brought anything into question. Like the only question they asked was why the Bin Laden family when extreme, like, like the country was on lockdown, basically, like three days after they got out, like they, they sent the, they, they scheduled, got clearance from the State Department and the White House Chief of Staff to fly the Bin Ladens out of the country, back to Saudi Arabia. Yeah. And, he, and then that was like as close as he got to mentioning anything. And I was like, all right, well, all right, there's a whole fucking documentary right, right. there. <laughs> like, what's going on with that? And then he just went in, you know, he kept going. And it was really, I mean, I fucking broke down in tears. Like, it's still super fucking sad. Yeah. You know, watch some people jump out of the windows and and just all the people talking about, the, you know, the last day. It's like he just went to work and we never saw him again, you know. Or the first responders thinking they're going to find a bunch of bodies for mm-hmm. days and, like, just nothing. 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 So it was, it was super sad. But, I, you know, when you're in the mood for conspiracy and you don't get it, uh, a, it makes you feel kind of like an asshole, <laughs> really. 
And then you're like, what the fuck, Spike? Yeah, I was like, dude, what did you, what, after this was done, you started questioning it? Yeah. <laughs> you forgot the whole part? But like, that, that's what bugged me. It was like, maybe after he finished the film, he was like, well, shit, I got questions now. And then sort of built this whole uh, propaganda machine on the fact, uh, and then building, you know, for the, for the EPS, for the program. But, dude, I just, I, you know, there's, there are a lot of questions that nobody can, can answer about that. Like, you're right. I mean, and then, and then, you know, buildings don't just fall straight down. No. You know, I could understand if, if it was halfway through the building and then the, the steel melted or whatever, which steel melts at 2,500 degrees, jet fuel burns at 1,000 degrees. So still got a little bit to make up there. But if it collapsed in the middle of it and then came straight down, yeah, I could see it collapse from the inside. But I, I don't know. It just it looked like a, I watched a lot of Quest, you know, the Antenna Channel, and they have this show about demolishing buildings, and it looked a fucking lot like that. Yeah. And, you know, uh, obviously it led to a 20-year war that we just got fucking out of, so... It could go either way. I mean, it really could have just been a fucking terrorist attack. I mean, they they were trying to fuck us over for ten years. Yeah, you know, and everybody. And it was weird too because it was like as soon as that second plane hit, every New Yorker there was like fucking Arabs. They fucking got us. They got what they want. It's like they knew. They, <laughs> they fucking knew. They knew right off the bat what happened and who did it. It was like there was no questioning it from any of those guys. Like they just knew what happened and then, you know, they. And, and another thing Spike Lee did I thought was kind of weird is like he rolled off. Because after 9-11, obviously, there was a lot of anti-Muslim hate and shit. Mm-hmm. And he's like, all right, we're going we're gonna to roll a clip of all the names of the Muslims that were murdered after 9-11. And where they were and who they were and everything and what kind of Muslim they were. And it was like 10, 12 people. And I was like, well, that's really not that, that bad. That's actually a pretty low number. <laughs> yeah. I thought it was going to be way worse. And I was like, dude, you can't just roll this. This is going to be a 20-hour clip. And it was like a 10-second clip. Yeah. I was like, oh, shit, I guess uh, that's pretty good for America, <laughs> really. Because yeah. those like, people were pissed. I mean, rightly so, they were fucking upset. Not that it justifies murder, um, but, you know, you can't expect 300 million Americans to just, you know, Yeah, because you take the do nothing. of that, somebody, that happens in other countries, it probably would have been worse. Oh, I'm sure. Oh, 12 people? Yeah. Yeah, 12 people out of our Dude, population. a suicide bomb that killed just as many fucking uh, Marines killed... Yeah. You know, a hundred fucking other people, exactly. <laughs> like like Afghanistan people. Like that's wild to me. So, you know, it's it's uh, it's just a really interesting look at it from that perspective. Um, but of course, you know, we want to look at it from the the hate aspect yeah. of it, which you know is fucked up. To those are basically lynchings, mm-hmm. is really what they are. You know, but twelve. I think that's in the history of time. If you were to look at the entire timeline of history. I think that that's a, a a mark of achievement on humankind. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, that's like actually, that's not. It could have been a lot fucking worse, you know. Yeah, you're looking at that like. Eh, and a lot of them were like in big cities, like in the eastern cities, which I get. You're a lot closer to it, um, but I was expecting because they showed like where they were killed, and I was like, oh, there's gonna be like a bunch of Missouri, and Oklahoma, and yep. and it was like not really. Like it was like Michigan and New York, New Jersey and Massachusetts, shit like that. Well, pump your brakes up there. <laughs> yeah. Hey, Texas hey. Texas hasn't done shit. <laughs> yeah. Uh, whoa, 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 Fred. <laughs> yeah, they, uh, it was wild. And there was, uh, it was just, it was really, it was just, it was a great documentary. Don't get me wrong. Uh, but, and then, and then another thing that kind of bugged me about it, because it was just, it, it was clearly pretty political. Like, 
he he would show quotes and, and clips from presidents, and when Trump would come up, it was it was President uh, Agent Orange was his name instead of his actual name, and I was like, all right, you know, good. It's kind of funny. I get it, but it's like you're really pushing buttons. You're yeah. you're pushing this a little further than now. You're really showing the colors of this entire. You're 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 sending this whole documentary into into a different yep trajectory that it doesn't need to. You didn't need to do that to prove any point. If it was a joke, I get it. Do it once, but don't continuously do it through the thing. I would have found that pretty funny. And I did find it funny at first, and it kept going, and I was like, all right, dude, I get it. Yeah, you you didn't it. like the guy. Not a lot of people did. <laughs> like, you're not alone. I can't believe he held a boxing match last night. Dude, I, did you hear any of it? Did you listen to any I of it? I didn't listen to any of it. I watched a clip from Anderson Silva and uh, was it Tito Ortiz. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, Tito Ortiz, yeah. And Silva... I heard knock the fuck like cold. I heard, dude, it was great. Was it a boxing match? Yeah, it was a boxing match. Interesting. Evander Holyfield fought, and he looked yeah. jacked for the fight. I heard, uh, yeah, because what's his name, uh, De La Hoya, would mm. like had COVID or whatever and bad back out. Those dudes are like sixty, right? Yeah, no, um, uh, Holyfield is like sixty three, I think, but he was jacked for it. He fought a dude that was probably in his like early fifties, if not late forties. Really, which is still fucking. Ancient yeah. for a, a boxer, but the but the payday sure was great. But oh. so you didn't. I even, I was looking earlier today for some clips of Trump's commentary. It must have just been a few seconds. Yeah. Well, and if I was Trump, I would be like, "This is awesome. It's unbridled. I can say whatever I want. <laughs> right. Shut off of basically all. Yeah. Media. <laughs> yeah. What a pulpit. Yeah. <laughs> You're watching two black guys fight each other with this. Nine eleven. Yeah, dude, that's crazy. Was that in New York? I think it was. Cause yeah, I, I saw that he was he like he didn't have, uh, attend the 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 one thing whatever mm-hmm. the the main ceremony was where all the other presidents mm-hmm. were, but he like went to a precinct or something in the Bronx or something yeah, like it that. In. Yeah, it just popped in or whatever. Um, but yeah, I was uh, if that was uh, in New York, that would have been a, a pretty odd way to remember it. <laughs> I watched this uh, interview tonight, and it was about, like, the firefighters and stuff like that. Like, mm-hmm. up in New York, I didn't realize it. It's, like, a family tradition. Like, Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I think... I almost kind of have to know some. Like, you're, you had your uh, uh, family member had to have been a, a yeah. firefighter to get in. Like, a, almost like a nepotism type of deal. Yeah, they said that, like, since 9-11, there have been, like, I think 60 to 100, like, children of fallen firemen that have passed the test and, like, applied and passed the test. Really? Become... A lot of them are, like, serving in, like, the same firehouses that, like, their parents did. That's pretty past. wild. I mean, I, I mean that wasn't that what that uh, movie from um, Davidson, Pete Davidson, was yeah, kind of about? Was King of Staten Island. King of Staten Island. I never saw it, um, but I, I think that's kind of what that was about. Like, his dad died in 9-11, and he was on a bad path, and he hung out with the firefighters or whatever. And then I'm guessing he became a firefighter. Yeah, and then a comedian... Wasn't that, didn't that, isn't that real story? Like, didn't his dad actually die in 9-11? I think his like dad like in real life? did die yeah. in 9-11. I don't know if he was a fireman or not. Yeah, dude, it was, it was kind of wild talking about, like, all the cancer and shit, like, that they got from Ground Zero. Oh, yeah. And, uh, oh, just, because, I mean, dude, that is prime time asbestos, you know? That's kind of what got my grandpa. My grandpa used to build uh, dams and smokestacks and silos and run gunite and, mm-hmm. like, do all that stuff. And that's what got him was the asbestos and shit from that. You know, uh, there just there was just no avoiding it back in those days. Yeah. But it was crazy too because Spike Lee it started out <laughs> like this is back when men were fucking men. Mm-hmm. Like it was you were you were a tough son of a bitch, and you had to be. 
And like they showed all these the guys building the World Trade Center, and you know, sixty people died building the fucking yeah. thing. So if you add that to the tally that died when they came down, you know, that's pretty fucking wild. Yeah, to to die at work. If you die at work, they would have shut the fucking thing down. They never would have been built today. One person hmm. dies on a job site. It's it's a national headline. You're, that OSHA stepping in. That wasn't OSHA back then. <laughs> Fuck no. Well, it was the Jersey Port Authority. <laughs> <laughs> you think they were all mobbed up, <laughs> dude? That, the Twin Towers, I'm sure, were built by them. New York is built by the mob. Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, you know, New Jersey, of course, is built by the mob. Um, you know, the, the country's built by the mob, really. Cuba yeah. was built by the mob. Cuba, Vegas, Vegas, yeah. Um, probably most of California, basically the entire state of Nevada is. Oh, definitely, because it was a wasteland before yeah. that, you know. Like, there's nothing going out of here. Let's build cool shit. Well, and what's interesting too about that is how uh, Roosevelt did the Hoover Dam, and that seemed pretty fucking unnecessary to me. What were you going to be energizing out there other than a gangster fueled? city that was going to be popped up by your buddies that's another conspiracy nobody talks about why the hell was hoover dam built in the middle of the fucking mountains exactly in nevada or they're hiding something cool out there oh probably yeah yeah air force one i guess is probably I, a lot of those air force or not air force one uh area 51 mm-hmm. i'm sure all those bases are powered by uh you know, groom lake and all that uh are powered by uh hoover, uh, dam. hoover dam yeah so maybe that's what started, and the gang, you know, the gangsters found out about it, and they're like, "Hey, fuck!" Yeah, there's a prime opportunity out here. No, that's a thought. I hadn't really considered that before. Well, I'm just, I'm proving, I'm creating conspiracies and proving them live on the show, folks. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see if we got any comments. Seth Dickfield, the fish bait my toes. All right, were we talking about fish? Oh, we were talking about tunas. How long ago was that, Dick Sethfield? Uh, it doesn't matter. Say hi, Dick. Um, and that was the other thing he opened that documentary with was uh, Frank Sinatra doing some musical about New York and how they were talking about, he was like, they got one day leave in New York. <laughs> and they're sailors, of course. And they're talking about how they're going to fuck as many women as possible. It's like, I got to find a date, a seven or eight. <laughs> like, doing this whole musical number. It's like, dude, you're coming off a little strong here. That's, that didn't yeah. age too well. Yeah. <laughs> you fuck eight women a night, dude. You're going to jail. <laughs> yeah, this, you're not going back on that. <laughs> yeah, shit. no, absolutely. This isn't Ghana. You can't just do it. the hell you are. Guam, wherever you came from, pal. <laughs> None of them need a green card. They're, it's not it. the Philippines. It's not, yeah. It's 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 New York, New York, and they just did this whole fucking thing, it's like from the bullet to the Bronx, and it was just this whole fucking bullshit musical number. I got a question, like the the mob hanging out with a dude like Sinatra, like you know, well, why not? Well, I mean, you know, Sinatra was probably a cool dude, but these guys are slitting people's throats and stuff like that, and you're gonna hang out with a dude that's claimed to fame well, I'm singing s- and tap dancing. See, I'm guess, I mean. I believe he's born in New York. Like, let's look up Sinatra mob ties, huh? I like when Joe's here because he can look up the stuff, and I don't have to look like an idiot. <laughs> um, all right, this is from this is from an official source, History dot com, of course, of History Channel fame. All right, do we get a little mug shot here? Sinatra's mob ties and other secrets from his. Fo- oh, the Forever Spin, damn. 
We did a whole segment on these. We were trying to contact <laughs> these people, get a sponsorship. You see that? Oh, yeah. God. God bless. Get me out of here. I'm not subscribing. There it is. So there are these there are these uh, Forever Spin uh, tops, and I, I just got to get my hands on them. They're, they're very pricey, about $100 a piece. Uh, but from what I can tell, they spin them forever. So. <laughs> Hopefully they'll um, live up to their name. Let's hope. All right, let's see here. Frank Sinatra was many things a crooner could uh, make. Bobby Soxer's Faint. That's a new one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Academy Award winning actor. I didn't know that. An elder statesman of the Rat Pack. Um, let's see. Federal Bureau of Investigations tracked Sinatra for over 40 years. I'm guessing that was a Hoover uh, move. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, the files of which were made public in uh, 1998 after his death. Uh, but I want to know, Sinatra rose to fame in the 1940s as soon as he attracted the attention of the FBI for claims that he paid a doctor $40,000 to declare him medically unfit for World War II service. Pussy. Uh, Should have got your own Navy like Hemingway. Right. Uh, let's see. Yeah, he looks fucked up in that one. Uh, his excuse for not having served uh, would have been a water type, but Sinatra's Excuse me, ties to the no mafia members and the revolving cast of characters connected to the underworld weren't as squeaky clean. Sinatra's uh, FBI file reads like a guide to the era's organized crime figures. Though Sinatra always denied he was connected with the mob, he did interact with famous mafia figures like Chicago mob boss Sam Giacana, Giannasia, Giannasia, of whom he was close friends. Ooh, John F. Kennedy's getting involved now. Oh, yeah. So uh, he was supposedly introduced on uh, his campaign, on JFK's campaign in 1960 in an attempt to deliver union votes to the future president. So I'm guessing this is also tied into Jimmy Fon- uh, Hoffa to a lesser extent, but Chicago is a little different. Uh, during the years of Fair the Fallout. Whoa. Sinatra also introduced Kennedy to Judith Campbell Exner. Uh, which was the girlfriend of Giacana uh, during the years long affair that followed. Exner allegedly acted as a liaison between Kennedy and the mobster, uh, helping in a plot uh, for the mob to assassinate Fidel Castro. Wow. Um, and, uh, but later testified before a Senate committee uh, investigated JFK's potential mob ties. That's interesting. There's a lot of people could have killed Kennedy. Yeah. Um, so it sounds like he just was friends with these guys. I mean, watch Sinatra Cruz, uh, Detroit mobsters, Anthony and Vito Galicion. It was like clockwork, retired FBA agent Sam Rafino. That sounds like a mobster, too. Uh, tells author Scott M. Bernstein, a few times a year, we'd trail the Galicions to the airport to pick up Sinatra. They'd spend the weekend together socializing before and after his shows. Almost every night, they'd shut down the place. I, you know, it doesn't sound, it sounds like he just had some friends yeah. that were also, I mean, I have friends that do illegal stuff. It doesn't make me, you know, I know a drug dealer. Doesn't make, does that make me a drug dealer? No. no. No, he just, he was, he was, you know, he had that aura about him and... It was what it was, you know? I mean, I'm not faulting the dude. I'm just saying. No, I mean, I don't I don't really think he did anything wrong. Um, yeah, so that's Sinatra for you, in a nutshell. 
wonder what he would have done for 9-11. What he would have done? Yeah. Man, he just barely made it. Oh, a funny thing about 9-11, too. Um, so <laughs> this guy, um, I wrote his name down, um, but uh, I, <clears throat> Larry something, Larry some Jew name. And he wanted, like, his entire professional career, he'd looked up at those towers and said, someday I'm going to fucking own those things. Someday those towers will be mine. Look, what a thing it would be to say that I owned the two tallest buildings in the world. Well, finally, he gets his chance to buy them. This is 1999. It takes about two years to get all the paperwork done. And two weeks before the towers fall, he signs the fucking papers, gets a big old insurance policy on it, finally owns the fucking towers. Two weeks later, they're in rubble. And this dude's getting paid. <laughs> yeah, big time. Because it was the, the Twin Towers were owned by the government. They were owned by the Jersey Port Authority. Mm. And so, uh, you know, they had, like, no insurance on them at all. And mm. so the first thing he did was got a big insurance policy. And good thing he did. But that also makes me wonder about what did he know. Yeah. A little what, fishy. What happened to him afterwards? Like, what, is he um, still around? Uh, that was a live interview. He's still around, you know, at least within the last year. Living in a very well secured and fortified. Oh, I'm sure that bank. insurance money bought him. I mean, so I wonder. Yeah, I'm sure he doesn't own Freedom Tower now. I mean, he just got the payout. I guess. How does that work? Well, a lot of times when you buy a building, you also buy the land rights that go under it. So technically, True. he might have actually owned the land rights and probably yeah. sold that in addition to the insurance money that he made. Oh, dude, that guy was cashing in. He's the only guy that came out on top that's from 9-11. Yeah, that's no the, shit. That's conspiracy theory I want to hear about. <laughs> yeah. Dude, two weeks before, and you bought this thing two weeks, insured it. Imagine being the fucking insurance company that had to pay that out. And like, I, I want to know what that insurance policy was. Dude, I'm sure at a certain point, like, hey, dude, like, here's a couple million. Take it or leave it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, you're not getting the entire worth of two giant skyscrapers. There's no way they're paying that out. Like, I mean, do you get a deductible? Like, how, how does that level yeah, of insurance like work? Some or kind of like, yeah, you know, or you got to call a JG Wentworth to get your money out. <laughs> you got it's my money and I want it now. I've got the instruction settlement <laughs> and I need cash now. Yeah, uh, that, I just thought that was a little suspicious. Spike didn't really dive into that one, but come on, two weeks before it happened, obviously this guy's a huge real estate shark mm-hmm. in New York. I mean, he obviously knew something very well connected. Uh, I think there's a hole there. Um, I think there's a lot of holes uh, that need to be filled in this 9-11 story. And, I, I, you know, we probably never get the answers. I mean, Spike Lee's always not going to be solving them for us. <sighs> no. I wish. I really thought he was going to. You know, uh, <clears throat> just sucks, you know. Um, but what are you going to do? We just uh, we just uh, move on, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, or we can you know make it an ongoing. We bomb thing. the hell out of this time next year. We'll have solved at least one of these queries. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna do a lot of research. I'm gonna find this Larry Jew name and really <laughs> Larry Jew name. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'll fill in the blank and kind of throw it on <laughs> after His last that. Name is Finkelstein. It was something Steen. I know that uh, Elderstein or something like that. Oldstein. I don't know Oldstein. Um, but, yeah, uh, there's, you know, probably more questions now than there were before. I mean, obviously it – but then again, you watch George W. Bush in the aftermath of that. What a fucking president he was. Yeah. Oh. And I still halfway believe he was totally ignorant to what was really going on because he seemed kind of oblivious through most stuff. 
uh, you know, I think that uh, Cheney kind of really, egged, you know, pulled, was a real oh, puppet Cheney master. Yeah. And so, but when he goes out to Yankee Stadium, like, a week after, and there's a perfect fucking strike. Or when he's standing on the rubble and he's like, we can hear you. We can all hear you. And the yep. people with Disney's billions are going to pay for it. Like, that, that's, that was fucking awesome. And it still gives me chills to watch that to this day. It's just an absolutely wild yeah, I heard in that other Netflix documentary, like they're like after the second one fell, he was livid. He's like, "Take me back to the White House." He's like, "They're like, no, it's, it's <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna fuck." <laughs> There's still planes in here, dude. <laughs> yeah. shit, dude. Oh, and another. I guess they did bring this part up too. They were talking about Flight 93, mm-hmm. and he they were talking to this flight attendant, and he was like, "Yeah, you know," because Spike asked me, he's like, "Do you think that that they hijacked?" Because he knew, like, he knew the crew members of the plane and and so it was it was obviously a great time to ask this question he's like you knew the people the flight attendants and the crew on that plane do you think that they hide like they fought him and got it back and then crashed the plane or do you think it was shot down because at that point mm-hmm. that plane had been escorted by fighter jets if you remember and that dude was like you know you look at the wreckage site and there's like nothing left he's like i i think they shot it down which brought me to another thing i was like you know that was probably the right move like you don't, you know, because all planes have been grounded at this point. Yeah. There's still one in the air. You know that they're, you know, that there's terrorists on board. They're calling, you know, there's plenty of voicemails from people calling from the plane being like, I love you. Like, you know, this plane's been hijacked. Like, all those, so, you know, it was it was legit. What do you do? You're the, you're in control of that situation. I would have to say, shoot the fucking plane now. Oh, 100%. I would go with the same. Yeah. It's like you're right now. You're over the woods in fucking Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. Shoot the fucking thing down before it costs a lot more lives. You know. Yeah. Sure. There's 150 people on that plane, and that's something you'll have to wrangle with. But God damn it! Imagine if that thing uh, hit any mass populated area. Uh, the casualties, and, and then knowing that you didn't do anything, and you could have shot the fucking plane down, or being one of the pilots too, or the fighter pilots, mm-hmm. and being like, I had an opportunity to shoot that thing down, and I didn't do it. Yeah. You know, that would be a wild thought, too. But also, you got to wrestle with the fact that he shot down a commercial airliner. Oh, you know, no, he talks to those pilots. I'd love to talk to one of the fucking scuttled pilots uh, uh, that escorted 93. That would be an interesting conversation. Oh, yeah. I don't think I've ever heard an interview from any of them. I think their names are probably redacted. Let's let's be honest. Oh, for, yeah, you're probably right. Yeah. Nobody's finding out. Who, Dude, they were, yeah, are. they were murked right after that. <laughs> like, yeah. Like, there was one fucking Casey Ryback from Under Siege, you know. Some uh, guy just blasted the other planes down. They're gone. Mm-hmm. And there's just one lone survivor, you know. I just threw a lot of war movie <laughs> titles out there. But, uh, you know, something like that's definitely probably happened, you know. 100%. Um, but, uh, yeah, that's 9-11 in a nutshell. But we're at about an hour here. You got any more to talk about? You got anything uh, else to say? I'm running out of ideas, I'll be honest. Well, that's all right. We kind of threw you in the mix here. We had a whole thing set up with Joe, but he ran into some issues. So, um, got a big show coming up this week. Uh, I was telling you earlier, um, I there's a new movie coming out, uh, The Eyes of Tam- Tammy Faye, which is Jim Baker, uh, his wife. Uh, it's basically the, the early lives of Jim Baker's wife, and it's... it's uh, really interesting because I, I have ties to Jim Baker because he lives down in Blue Eye, which is about mm-hmm. an hour from here. And so I know people from there. And so we've got some really exciting guests, some very close personal acquaintances of his. And they're going to be on our show Tuesday. And um, 
I, I hope you guys can tune in for that one because it's going to be really exciting. Until then, catch us on uh, any of the uh, social media platforms. Um, thanks, Jamie, for coming in and yeah, chit-chatting with me. me. Hope uh, I hope you guys aren't too bummed out about that 9-11 shit, but I'm telling you, something stinks. <laughs> something stinks. And uh, and we're going to we're gonna find out what it is. Anyway, we're out of here. I keep sticking like a metronome And my thoughts keep telling me to get me home But my balls keep telling me to let me out Fuck all that shit, just let me go Owers and tastemakers make us no chaser Gets the blood flowing like a fucking pacemaker Cut the middle man and inhale the vapors Madman, huh? old ten times rapers Cut the jukebox on, make the woofers blow